welcome to episode 11. Today on Cybersecurity 101, we have Chris, who is a cybersecurity analyst with NASA. We're going to learn about his career and how he got into it. Very excited on the relevance for Larry, who's on a very similar journey. Chris is only about two years ahead of where Larry is today. And for those of you that are interested in getting into this industry, I'm sure you'll have lots to learn from Chris today. First of all, we'd like to welcome you to the show. I'd love to learn a little bit more about how you got your first interest in cybersecurity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it actually started with me just trying to get a little bit more game time on my uncle's computer. Uh, we had a shared family computer. You know, I, um, I was raised in a two-bedroom apartment with up to 11 people in it, so resources were a little sparse. Um, any spare money we had, we kind of sent back home to the Philippines because uh, our family members are just nowhere near as fortunate as we have it here. So my uncle got a computer. He's about five years older than me when I believe he was a teenager and it was for school. But as all kids do, they find a way to play some video games and that leads to more video games and more investment. And he introduced me to one of these video games. Um, it was kind of a trick because he showed me one of the best things I'd ever seen. And he wouldn't allow me to play because he would always hog up all the time, given <laughs> it's his computer. Totally fair. Right. Right. Um, so I remember I would always get booted off the computer. And one day when I had a little bit of time, when he was using the bathroom, uh, I learned how to block a MAC address. So I could basically DOS him from my auntie's phone. And he would always, he would always hit me up and say like, hey, you're the, you're the tech guy of the family. And I think I'm like 11 at this time. Like, can you go take a look at this? Can you help me out? And of course I knew how to fix it. So I mean, eventually he caught on with a little bit of suspicion. He's like, hmm, in the middle of my most heated game matches, I always disconnect. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> I wonder where Chris is. <laughs> That's oh, funny, wow. Chris. So, so Chris, so, uh, you know, for those that are wanting to do this at home, let's say we have an 11 year old listening and, and, and they're so inspired here. So correct me if I'm wrong. So you use the Mac address filtering uh, technique on the Wi-Fi router. Is that correct? Yeah. So we, we had a two in one, um, modem and router, you know, nothing too high tech back then. Um, and I found a way to, to log in with the admin credentials that were on the side of the router with my auntie's smartphone. So back then smartphones were ridiculous. They were new technology. I couldn't even believe I was looking at a computer in my hand. Uh, so I was able to connect to the internet. I was able to interface with the router. Uh, I learned what the MAC address was by looking at the back of my uncle's computer and adding that to the, <laughs> adding that to the Mac, uh, Mac filtering list. Um, I didn't nice. really know what I was doing. I think at the time I just Googled how to block someone from, <laughs> from home well, network. Yeah, okay. So what's really <laughs> interesting about that though, if you think about that skill of, you know, wanting to learn something and going to a search engine and learning that, isn't it funny how often, Chris, we still use that exact same skill today? Absolutely. Yeah, Stack Overflow is where it's at. <laughs> right. And we'll, we'll circle back to another forum uh, a little bit later um, that, that heavily influenced your interest in starting cybersecurity, uh, right? So from early on, you, you had the ability to have access to the internet, which is huge. Uh, absolutely huge to tap into that, you know, unlimited wealth of information there. Um, okay, so let's fast forward. You know, now you're... Uh, tell us about the position you had right before your first job in cybersecurity. So where were you at? You know, what were you doing there? Sure. So 
I was, uh, when I was 19, I was promoted to become a general manager of uh, a fast food chain, really popular Mexican grill. Um, and it was a whole lot of responsibility looking back on it for a 19 year old, but you know, I was hungry, I was driven. I love training managers and helping people get from point A to point B in, the, in their life. Um, it wasn't a common thing. Um, the only person that, that I know of that was a general manager before 21 was actually my manager. And, you know, she was an incredible woman that I got to, I got to learn after and I was hired in as crew under her. So I got to see her go through this tremendous journey where she went from being just a a 20 year old general manager to eventually a patch leader at 23, which was insane. Wow. So for, for that kind of genius to rub off on me, for that work ethic to rub <laughs> off on me, it definitely had a huge impact on my own growth and my own pursuit. So basically having, you know, you, you had the fortune of, of having a, a strong kind of mentor leader, someone that was willing to invest in you. Um, you know, it, tell us, I mean, how, how big is that, um, you know, to, to find, because sometimes when you, when you are selecting the job you want to work for, you can, you know, as a criteria, use that as a determining factor, whether or not to join that organization is, you know, uh, you know, the manager or the leadership that you'd be working for, right? So how, how important is that for someone um, in their career search? Yeah, so I'm a big believer in it takes a village to raise a child. Um, there's no such thing as self-made people. Like everybody has help. Everyone extends an olive branch to someone else to help them get from point A to point B. And it's eventually one of my huge life goals to accomplish this. Um, as high as I climb, I wanna make sure that I lift up other people. So it was tremendous for me. Um, and it's something that you're doing for me and it's something that you've done for Larry. And it really is incredible to have people, one, look up to you, but also have other people that you can count on and depend on to be there when, when you're not exactly sure about a situation. So. Mm -hmm. To summarize that, it's it's invaluable, and everybody needs mentors. Mm -hmm. Now, um, this is actually one of your driving forces, right? I mean, when you were at that uh, organization, uh, you loved pouring into people, training them, and, and that's really part of you, right? Tell us a little bit more about what drives you. So, I've always loved to teach, uh, and I've always loved connecting with people because one, it makes the shift a lot. A lot more fun to work with people that you're actually associated with like when you're struggling on the line or you're on the grill and it's it's 550 degrees back there you're dripping sweat oh, yeah. what you want to depend on is the person next to you being there whether you need some dishes or through thick and thin you need to be able to depend on your people yeah. so gotcha go ahead. now what's interesting there is larry you you actually have that in common uh with chris a little bit right uh you, oh, you yeah. did uh your time here a little bit right and uh tell us tell us about that yeah, so you know, Chris, I I worked I worked um, in Sweden as a chef, so, and 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 then coaching football. I mean, I know exactly what you're saying because you you you're like a hand, so and all five fingers are moving at once for one goal. And if if it's somebody back there you don't like, or they back there and it's it's all messed up, it gets chaotic. So you know, you really have to. You know have that passion and just you know all work together and and all get along because it, it really it really helps the shift go by quicker and then the communication gets a lot better so now Absolutely. chris you, you're you're doing this hundred hour work week i, I think um you did a couple of these back to back right and uh tell us about the time where, where you just needed a break and and what what happened on that break that that uh changed your life <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I was on the second half of, uh, you know, one of the most strenuous work weeks I've ever had in my entire life. Um, 
I was preparing my team. I let them know, hey, can I just have 10 minutes to myself before we open just so I can take a break, breathe, because I know I'm going to be on my feet for the rest of this 10, 11, 12, 13 hour day, depending on how the shift goes. And, you know, they supported me. So I went to my car, you know, I relaxed a little bit and I hopped on Reddit. Um, and I, I think that Reddit is a tremendous information source for anybody interested in just about anything. So I hopped on there and the first thread that I saw at the very top was this Ask Reddit thread. And I remember it was titled, what's the craziest piece of technology you've ever heard about? And I clicked it immediately. I look at there and the top post is, it goes something like this. Imagine software. Now imagine you've got software that replicates from computer to computer all on its own. Now imagine this same software spreads across and through hundreds and thousands of devices propagating all on its own and is eventually attributed with bringing down a nuclear power plant. That's kind of how that comment went. And as I read that, I just fell deeper and deeper into disbelief. Like I thought this was science fiction and I ended up doing a lot more research into it. And I started digging and digging and digging. And I've just found myself in this rabbit hole of learning what exactly makes something like that even possible. So I didn't even know how computers connected, I would say two and a half years ago. Like I just put on the, I put on the Wi-Fi and boom, like I have, I have immediate internet access. Um, but I ended up researching the Stuxnet worm and I would recommend anybody who's listening to this podcast or anybody who's interested in security in general to do a little bit of research on the Stuxnet worm because that's an incredible piece of technology and it's, it's here today. Right. Yeah, I, I actually was also similarly fascinated in how that thing worked. And I remember reading an article of how, uh, you know, I, I believe it was a contractor uh, who... Uh, had access to the industrial SCADA systems uh, to do like maintenance or repair, maybe a firmware upgrade or something. They they essentially brought it in, I believe, on a on a USB drive or something similar to that. And yeah. uh, you know, just such a fascinating story, right? So, um, so you had you know you had some you know during your break you, you were interested in cybersecurity. You read this, all of a sudden there's this spark in you, and, and now you're super fascinated and you start learning. What was the what was the point or the trigger where you said, okay, I now want to pursue this as my career? And mm -hmm. um, you know, how did that actually work in your mind? And how did you actually uh, find the school that you ended up going to? Cool. So, um, I would have to say that I realized that putting in a hundred hours anywhere is a huge time commitment, and for you to put in 100 hours into anything, like you've got to be incredibly passionate about it. Uh, so I was working along the line with one of my managers and she told me one day, hey, like, I think I have to quit. And I asked why. And she tells me, like, I, I want to go back to school. I want to pursue higher education. And I told her, hey, you've got to do your own thing. I totally respect that. Um, let me find a way to, to get you there as quick as I possibly can. So fast forward six months and she goes from wrapping burritos on the line with me to helping host keynotes at Salesforce. And it was the most <laughs> surreal thing I had wow. ever seen in my entire life. I looked up to her like, like she was my idol. So I knew from that point on, if she could do it, like this is absolutely something that I have to try. Wow. That's incredible. Okay. So, so you saw someone achieve tremendous success that, that sparked in you okay, I think I could do this. And, and that what's interesting is when someone in your circle achieves something great, it can really inspire you, right? So, okay, so now, you know, you'd read about Stuxnet and everything. Tell us about the, 
you know, the school that you found and, and how did you actually find that school? And, uh, and if you don't, if, if you can, if you can mention the school so that those that are in that area might even know, okay, that's a good one. Cause obviously Chris went there. Mm-hmm. So the program that I went through is actually called year up and it's a one year accelerator for four tracks, depending on the site. And they have multiple sites all across the United States. Um, and essentially for the first six months you get paid to go to school, but it's a huge time commitment. Um, and then the second, the second half, the, the other half of the year up, you get lined up with an internship and a six month contract. And from there is where you can hopefully jumpstart your career. And that's exactly what happened to me. And that's exactly what happened to my colleague who's now thriving at a, at Salesforce. And, and so in that particular school, you selected cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. So, so I remember walking over there and my eventual professor, I walk up to, and I'm like, Hey, what's it going to take for me? to succeed here. And he basically told me, you've got to work, you've got to grind and you have to learn and the stars have to align, but it's possible. This is the hardest track for you to get into out of a, out of a thousand people that apply in this program, 120 get accepted. And out of the 120 that get accepted, only 15 to 20 get accepted into cybersecurity. Um, and I don't know what's wrong with my brain, but whenever I hear that something is really <laughs> difficult, I have to lean into it. I really have to push myself. So I told myself if I have even the smallest shot, I might as well push it because even if I don't get it, I've got a little bit of a backup plan. Um, and that's kind of why I chose cybersecurity is because I heard it was the hardest track there. I heard I had the lowest odds and I decided, Hey, that's for me. <laughs> it was a challenge. Yeah. It was the challenge that actually got you into uh, cybersecurity. Yeah. It was incredibly enticing. <laughs> so, I mean, so Larry, you're in a, you're in a similar kind of program accelerated. You're going through all these courses. And so, uh, oh, yeah. you know, Chris, where you were right before you got your first kind of job in cybersecurity and it was that about two years ago, Chris, or two and a half years ago. I would say that's around, that's around the right time. Oh, wow. Awesome. So not that long ago. So, so, uh, Larry, does that give you a lot of hope? You know, just knowing that, okay, this is where Chris was just two years ago. This is where you're at today. Oh yeah. So that, you know, I look at it now, I'm still in the, still in a baby form. So, but I can understand a lot of the lingo now, which I didn't understand in the beginning. I didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. If you said active yeah, so, director, I'd have been right. sitting there like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, so I think the other night Larry called me and he's like, Joe, I'm learning about subnets. And so we talked about subnets and, and, and networking <laughs> and stuff. And it was, it was a super fun conversation, right? So that's kind of, you know, Larry's learning about that. He's like, man, it's starting to make sense, you know? And, and it, it's so neat for me to, Larry, to hear the joy, you know, and the excitement you know, that you have, because I think, Chris, would you agree that you have to kind of have that, you have to have that, that interest and joy and really enjoy this stuff, right? Because it's a continuous learning experience, wouldn't you say? 100%. And I'm not sure if I would put fun and learning how to subnet in the same <laughs> sentence. Because I remember the first time I learned how to subnet and I, I felt like I was looking at hieroglyphics. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's oh, wow. tricky, right? Yeah, the, uh, you know, going from uh, binary and subnet masking for sure. that it, Right. I think that attackers that are really savvy, Chris, they can hide in IPv6 because mm-hmm. when you're looking at a security log and you and you see IPv6, tell me what goes through your mind. Are you really analyzing that the same as you would IPv4? Or is, do you sometimes kind of look past that and look at behavior and other activities? I would have to say that's a growth area of mine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's <laughs> tough, right? Now, so isn't that interesting, though, that, you know, the, the reality is, is as the world moves more towards IPv6, 
attackers can be hiding in the obscurity and the difficulty of analyzing that because IPv6 not, was not made for a human mind to look at and consume. It was made to address a scale issue, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a that's a serious problem. So that that'll be a podcast for another time. But uh, so so back to Chris. Chris, looking back, what would you have done differently if if you had to get advice maybe to Larry or others listening um, on getting into cybersecurity, or is the path you took you know like a pretty good path you'd recommend? Um, well, to be completely honest, I feel like I've just been really incredibly lucky to find every opportunity that I've had. Um, if I were to go back, I would definitely say to focus on the fundamentals, make sure you understand networking, you understand your hardware, how computers connect to each other. Uh, those are crucial things that you need to be able to understand. Um, at work, if someone talks about DNS, you need to understand uh, how this hierarchical system works. And when I first stepped in, those were things that weren't completely native to me. And I, I spent overtime making sure that I could lock down those fundamentals. Yep, yep. So basically, you can't really, in cybersecurity, you can't really skip, you know, A+, plus, server plus, network plus. You, you can't skip those fundamentals because well, to, in order to secure those things, you have to understand how they work, right? 100%. And, and what, I mean, it, it is difficult for someone to go from the training and the fundamentals to go right into cybersecurity. That's definitely, it, it's kind of like you're a civilian, you want to go in the military and you go right into Navy SEALs. It's a lot easier, I think, if you have at least a few years of, say, infantry or, you know, soldiering, you know, under your belt, right, a little bit. Um, and so one of the big questions is, you know, should you go into a help desk role or PC support? Um, but for you, uh, tell us about your transition from, um, you know, school and, and you went right into the deep end, right? You didn't go through that traditional kind of PC support help desk kind of, you know, server admin and then cybersecurity. You didn't go through that normal uh, path, right? A lot of cybersecurity is making sure that you lock down and you key into this interest outside of work. And to a lot of people, that's not really an appealing thing. But if it's something that you find interest in, it's absolutely worth the knowledge. So what, what's, what's encouraging is it can be done. You can go right into cybersecurity without a background in, in server admin, PC support, that sort of thing. It can be done. And, and I think that's the, uh, the thing that I was most excited on getting you on the show because mm -hmm. uh, people ask that question all the time. Do, do I have to go the traditional route? Do I have to go through help desk? Do I have to work my way up? Or is there a reality where I might get in? Now, what type of position, Chris, are we talking about that where that's possible? Is that a security, like a SOC analyst? You know, what, what roles should someone be looking into after they do, say, a year of training like you did? I would have to say a SOC analyst role. Um, if possible, try and lock down a, a government contractor position. Um, for whoever's eligible, getting a clearance is a great way to, to get your foot in the door in cybersecurity. There's a lot of opportunity there. Awesome. And, and how would you go about that? Is that through like the school that you're going to, um, or is, are there certain websites where those, uh, you know, just based on your experience, any tips there? Mm -hmm. um, so let's see, leaving school, I found a contract role at a bank where I was doing security governance, risk and compliance work. Uh, and it was a lot of legal, it was a lot of vetting of paperwork. I was coming up with process workflow diagrams. Um, coming up with KPI dashboards, which are key performance indicators. But I, I really fell in love with the technical work and that I knew that I had to key into this interest. Um, so I had, I had put out quite a few applications. I was looking on LinkedIn. I was looking on Glassdoor uh, to find clear jobs. A huge resource that I would recommend to anybody is a website called clearancejobs.com. Um, 
try and look for entry level positions there. Um, I transitioned from a non-technical kind of legal and compliance role into a technical, I mean, into a technical SOC analyst role, um, actually through LinkedIn. How do you feel, or what was the, uh, like, like the determining and driving factor in, in you going from, here you are, you had a chance to be um, a GM, like you, you're going to run a restaurant. And from going from that to cybersecurity, they're, they're, they're your passion when you were young. But I mean, how was, how was that transition for you? Yeah, so I, I had to reflect on why I really enjoyed my role as a general manager and key into that as to why I wanted to make this pivot. Um, I've always had an interest in technology. I've always loved technology, even though I didn't really understand how it worked necessarily. Uh, that interest was there. And for me, my favorite part about, the, about my role as a general manager was helping train managers. Um, so in my time working, I trained, I believe, six managers anywhere from kitchen manager all the way up to general manager and being able to spend that time with them and help them get from point A to point B and help them make a huge change in their life, whether they were just trying to scrape by or maybe they were trying to pay for their, just pay for rent or even people that wanted to get through college and have food, food service uh, management experience. For me, that was an incredibly fulfilling experience. And I felt like I would have a lot more of an impact and kind of keying into this passion if I were to pivot into another technical field. Um, Another thing is that managing a restaurant, it has its chaotic days, but for the most part, it can, it can become a process that you get really used to. Um, whereas in cybersecurity, you can have a completely different day every day and see a completely different threat. And it's, it's incredible. The amount of learning that I have to do, it's something that I've kind of fell in love with. Yeah. I've got to ask these questions. Hopefully you don't, it doesn't embarrass <laughs> What What was the most funniest moment in cyber that happened to you in cybersecurity like at the job or at school or you sitting there like oh my gosh funniest moment in cybersecurity mm -hmm. um i would actually have to say so at the school that i went to at europe we had guest speakers all the time and they, they were professionals that volunteered their time and they already had 10 10 to 20 maybe even 30 years of experience in whatever field so they were experts in just volunteering their time to help motivate us with whatever wisdom they had and i remember asking an executive a really really stupid cybersecurity question <laughs> to the point where i asked the question and immediately felt embarrassed and wish I could grab those words back out of the air. And I remember yeah, in that moment yeah. how embarrassed, like I wanted to, uh, I wanted to gotcha. evaporate into thin air. Um, yeah. And I walked up to that executive after, after they gave their presentation and I apologized to them. And they told me straight to my face, there are no such things as stupid questions. Let your curiosity carry you. And from then on, I've, I've carried that kind of mantra. What was your most difficult moment in cybersecurity? Because I know, we get a lot of people on the, on, the, on the podcast and stuff like that. And I, I always want to add, because we always hear the good part, but what's, what's the most difficult point? Because everybody has a point. They'd be like, okay. And then how did you overcome that? Um, I'm not sure if I've completely overcome this, but something that I've dealt with for a lot of my time in cybersecurity is imposter syndrome. And it's this never ending feeling of unsureness about if you even belong in the workplace, because I, I stepped into my work environment and a lot of my, a lot of my peers had computer science degrees. Um, a lot of my peers had master's degrees and they were just stepping into this role. They already had years of IT experience. They already had years of cybersecurity and like 
who was I to be some burrito wrapper at NASA? And it is a really unnerving feeling to deal with. And the way that I was kind of able to, I was kind of able to overcome that was, you know, I was, I was vulnerable about how I was feeling. I shared with my team, Hey, I'm worried and I'm scared about being here. And they reassured me. They said, Hey, you absolutely belong here. You've put in the work, you're ambitious and that's what it takes. And at the end of the day, the people that are the hungriest are the ones that are going to thrive. Like we would Mm -hmm. rather have someone that doesn't have the experience who's hungrier to learn than someone who has the experience, but doesn't want to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's excellent. Very well said there. One of the other questions we wanted to ask you is you're, you're definitely someone I would consider an ultra learner, right? You're, you're reading um, quite often, you know, maybe a, a, a book a week or so. Um, what books have influenced you the most? Um, the first one would have to be, I believe it's dare to lead by Brene Brown and it's a leadership book. Um, that I picked up from one of my English professors, and he taught at USF for a long time as an adjunct professor. Uh, and I remember when I was serving as president of my Toastmasters club, I came up to him and I asked him, like, how can I be the best leader that I can be to help these people overcome their anxiety about speaking in public or even in any social forum? And he told me, you've got to educate yourself and you've got to practice. And that was one of the books that was really transformative for me. Um, so that would be Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. It help me have a completely different idea of what it takes to be a great leader. Like you've got to be someone who fosters growth. You can't hammer, you can't rule with an iron fist and expect your team to produce amazing results. Like it's a, it's a two way street the entire way. Um, so I, I would definitely have to say that book has been incredibly impactful for me and my, prof- my professional and personal journey. Uh, besides that, I'm not remembering the exact title, but it was recommended to me by my senior director at the bank I was working at. Um, It was a book about habits and to boil it down, we only have so much willpower in the day, but if you can find a way to structure your day, to have your tasks line up back to back to back, then it doesn't weigh on your willpower to do these things in order and in sequence because it becomes an afterthought to you. So if you get up every day and you write in your journal and you, you think about what you're grateful about, you think about what you need to do today, and that becomes step one. And then step two, maybe you prepare breakfast. Step three, you get your news feed in. And after, after a few days of repeating this, this routine, it becomes automatic to you. And you can start chaining these habits back to back to back. And that's essentially how I was able to study for undergrad and work because I would go to work, I would do my 10-hour shift, and I would come home and I, I would study. And I would study and I would study and I would study. And it's because I wouldn't go home and I would hop on Reddit. I wouldn't go home and I would hop on YouTube. I chained the habit of me studying immediately as I got home. And that has, that has been easily one of the most impactful things that I have ever learned. One of the most impactful books that I have ever picked up. Oh, thank you for that. And Larry, I know you're, you're in that right now, right? You're spending, I think, every weekend learning, um, you know, every, every chance you get, right? So you're, you're, you, you can relate, right? Working those long work weeks and then just cramming, studying in between. Yeah, yeah, and um, and doing labs and stuff, and 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 really trying to understand. And so, um, Chris, I got a question because right now, I think, I mean, like my my teacher, I said he 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 tells us that we know more than what we think we know, and probably it's just that. Have you ever had that feeling to just that? Yeah, so this this kind of ties into the uh, the 
the feeling that I was speaking about earlier, that imposter syndrome of, yeah. you know, feeling kind of inept, even though you really do belong there. And it's, it's something that's really, really popular. And for those of you that are listening to this, that have imposters or feel like you have imposter syndrome, like key into that, like understand that comes from somewhere, but understand that you're there for a reason. Like you went through the entire process to get to where you are. You've gotten yourself educated. You've put in the work. Um, and share share with your peers like be vulnerable with them and you know join hands and let let each other know that we're on the same team and i feel like that's going to be one of the most impactful things that you can do if you if you feel that feeling uh, is just to be honest be transparent and t- for a lot of people and especially for me that was the scariest part uh, but to go back to what you said a more specific example of when someone asked me something that I knew I knew, but I just started to panic. Uh, one of my managers asked me like, Hey, where are the passwords stored in Linux? And I was like, uh, and I was stuck, but I had it in the back of my head. And as he began to say it, it came out of my mouth. And I just remember one of the most comforting things that he ever told me was, I know, you know, this, but you're panicking. Take the time, breathe. I know you've got this. And now every time that I've thought about, hey, maybe I'm starting to freeze up, I just take a breath and I think it through. Looking back, Chris, um, if you could have done it all over again, what do you think would have helped you the most get into cybersecurity? Would it be certificates or a college degree or both? I actually would have built a home lab, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like to actually understand the tech, it's completely different when you're understanding theory and applying that on a test and earning a certification as opposed to working with it. And I feel like mastery really comes when you're, you're interfacing with the technology, you're typing into the command line, um, you're standing up a server. Yes. That's what you need to do to really internalize what's going on mm. because it's going to look horrible for you when you've got a million certifications but can't back up the, can't back up the resume. Got it. Okay. So that's really good to know. So more time on lab, more time on hands-on, right? That That's going to be the most impactful. Okay. Now let's talk about certs and what certs do you currently have and what certs are you looking at next? And then if you were Larry, um, which, which search should he pursue based on all the ones you've done? Looking back now, knowing everything you know, what, you know, what's beneficial for someone getting into cybersecurity? Sure. Um, so I have CompTIA A+, Network+, and Security+. Um, I'm also an, an associate CISSP, and I just recently passed the uh, GIAC Certified Incident Handler certification. Um, I would honestly have to say it really depends on where you want to go as to, as to which certification is going to be most beneficial for you. Because uh, if you want to specialize, and one thing I really like about cybersecurity is that if you want to keep learning about penetration testing, there are courses out there for you to follow. You can do OSCP, you can do eLearn security, uh, you can do GPEN. You, you have all of these resources out there within reach for you to begin specialization. Um, but for most people transitioning into cybersecurity, I would have to say, Lock down those fundamentals. Okay. Get practice on the command line. Like understand computer hardware. And I would say for me personally, um, the most fun I ever had with a cert would have to be Network Plus. What educational website? I think you mentioned uh, to me when we were talking earlier, Coursera was good for you. Is that right? Um, is that the primary one you'd recommend to Larry and others? Uh, so there are a bunch of YouTube channels. I would definitely have to say if anybody's interested in cybersecurity to tune into the Reddit communities that are there because uh, there are Reddit communities for 
all kinds of things. You can specialize in digital forensics. They've got a community there. They've got they've got communities just for the OSC the OSCP, um, even for the CISSP. So join a whole bunch of forums, like see what people are talking about, start understanding the, the, the verbiage of what things, I mean, of how things are, are, are written out, like how they're, how they're talked about. And once you have this vocabulary around you more often, um, you start keying into it. And at first, if DNS seems like an alien idea to you, after you've seen it a few times on Reddit, it might not seem so daunting. What certs are kind of next for you? What are you uh, studying now and wh where are you looking to go? I feel like everybody in cybersecurity uh, or most people in cybersecurity, when they first get in, they have a huge affinity with becoming a hacker or a, a penetration <laughs> tester. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, I've seen my fair share of red teaming and, and pen testing videos, and that's always been a huge interest for me. Um, but I feel like for me and my role and want to step into an instant responder role. Um, so I, Definitely want to learn more about incident handling. Um, I have a couple. I have a couple of certifications lined up. I'm thinking about doing the uh, GX Certified Enterprise Defender. Um, I'm also thinking about the GCIA. Um, but there are quite a few certifications lined up. And on an educational basis, I am hoping to apply to a master's program uh, sometime next year. And SANS actually has a master's program, which has quite a few certifications built into it. Um, that's something that I'm kind of considering. Hey, Larry, yeah. is there anything else that you wanted to talk about? I'm always welcome to share my experiences with you as much as possible. Um, help desk jobs, mm -hmm. stuff like that, you know, because from, from listening to Joe and everyone, they're saying, well, that's where you start off at. Right. But I wouldn't mind just starting off anything, even if I just was an analyst, just looking at the board and, you know, seeing whatever threats coming in I I could do that for hours you know but mm -hmm. I just didn't I just don't know what because I, I really want to do cybersecurity. out of all of them I mean we, we get into a little coding in class and then we get into like a you know detect the you know the Detection. service text and stuff like that in class okay but that doesn't really drive my interest if you mm -hmm. know what I mean yeah I can relate to that 100 percent that's exactly how I felt when I was working at the bank. And, you know, I, I would, I would have paperwork that would need to be vetted by legal and I would go through questionnaires and just a bunch of, a bunch of process workflow that I, I didn't necessarily enjoy. Like I wanted to have my hands on the keyboard. Um, that's something that I love to do. It's something that I find a lot more fulfilling. Um, and if you kind of key into that interest and you keep learning, like, People will find that interest, especially if you, you know how to present it when it comes down to interview time. Um, I, I think having that home lab is, is invaluable. I, but you know what? Actually, I think I understand Linux a lot more than, than Windows, especially in the command prompt. Have you heard of a game called Terminus? Um, so when I was in school, we were, we were taught basic Linux commands through, through, this, uh, through this game. And basically, the way you navigate the game is by, is by inputting um linux commands which they teach you along the way and uh eventually you use all of the commands to to beat the game uh, and i feel like for me personally it was a great way for me to pick up the commands um it helped internalize things way better uh over the wires really amazing too because it's honestly super daunting for someone that's like hey i'm interested in cybersecurity," yet they don't even understand what cybersecurity is um we do quizlet what do you think about that I think Quizlet's great. That helped me get through school 100%. Oh, do you? 
Yeah, uh, the people that put together Quizlets probably have done other Quizlets. If you do, if you do Quizlet on test mode, that's probably the best way that I've used, or one of the best methods that I've used to prepare for certifications. What do you feel like is your biggest growth area right now that I can I can try and help you out with, like in terms of your learning? What I, what I enjoy most is is Linux out of out of all of them. So when we start when we're getting into Linux, and we just kind of scrape like the beginning of it because it was just Linux essential, right? But um, I really enjoyed that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it was different. And it, I mean, to me, it looked more, more efficient than Windows. Most of the hacking toolkits, I mean, a few of them are ported to Windows, but really it, most of it's all Linux. So it's, it, that's, it, it, because you want to be a hacker. At the end of the day, you want to be a pen tester, Larry, right? That, that's what really gravitates. Yeah, that's, yeah. You're, you're, you, you're going to get into a SOC analyst role as a means to an end so that you can get exposed enough to actually get in. But your long-term kind of five-year vision is to eventually be a pen tester. That, that's, you, you want to be a hacker. I mean, you love that. People will pay you to hack into their company. That's the dream. A lot of people have that dream in cybersecurity. But the SOC analyst role, like I, I think I totally agree with Chris. That's that first entry-level position to get in to get exposed. And as you're exposed and, and you're, you got your foot in the door at some, like Chris, said some government contractor now you're actually going to have legitimate uh, resume building stepping stones where someone can give you that next step opportunity to keep moving up um so i i think going linux is definitely a very smart um you know getting deeper there is going to be really good for you yeah i i agree i feel like that's also my my dream path is that yeah, you know I, 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 I want to be as I want to be the best I can at my sock analyst role beyond that move into an instant response role um, and then eventually into into a penetration tester and my my dream dream cybersecurity job is to be a physical penetration tester um, and do oh, some yeah. social engineering. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but that's I, so I feel like I feel like that's everybody's dream dream yes, job. Of and course. I, I don't, I don't know anyone personally that's done it. Like I'm sure I stock a bunch of people on LinkedIn that are penetration testers. Is a SOC analyst, is that the, the entry level or is it something before a SOC analyst if you want to get into cybersecurity? As far as I know, SOC analyst roles are generally the, the catch-alls for most people that are interested in cybersecurity. So I'll tell you, um, the SOC analyst role has really brought in a whole bunch of people and allowed them a platform to kind of jump and springboard into whatever they feel like is more interesting for them. Uh, and on top of that, just being around the community of hearing people say like, Hey, like you guys need to check out the C2 traffic. My first day at work, I didn't even understand what C2 traffic was. I had to Google what C2 meant. And I was like, okay, that's when I had one of those moments like you were talking about, like, I know this, I just don't understand how they refer to it. Like I've read about command and control. I've, I've learned about the Lockheed cyber kill chain. Um, so that imposter syndrome was absolutely real. It's something I'm still dealing with, but it's, it, it gets better day by day the more I reinforce my own knowledge. Uh, it's one thing to get hired. Now the next step is how do you actually promote yourself and, and, and kind of grow inside an organization and, and stay employed, right? And it's helping others. It's, it's stepping up. It's volunteering and saying, hey, I can help. I can do that. Because managers, like, that, that's not normal. You know, a lot of team members, they just want to float. They just want to kind of do minimum, you know, eight to five, kind of get it done. So when someone's <laughs> like, hey, I'll do it. I'll jump in. They're like, oh, my God, this is great. You know, and, and it also creates the kind of team atmosphere and climate that you want as a manager. You want to, you, you look back at, you know, your food service background. Those are the people you want to promote, you want around you. It's like, because that creates the right kind of chemistry, right?
Absolutely. Um, and for me personally, I've always loved training people because you get that one-on-one experience with them that you don't usually otherwise get. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in, a, in, a, in an office with maybe 10, 15, 20 people, and of course we have those, those general conversations. We have, that, we have those lunch talks, but it doesn't really get past surface level conversation in, in that atmosphere as far as I'm concerned. But every time I've been able to teach or train someone, I've learned so much about their life. I've learned about their ambitions. Like, why are they here? And that has been way more worth it to me than, than anything I could, I could even imagine. That's, that's kind of what I want to key into and I want to keep doing for the rest of my life. So, because uh, most of the jobs I'm looking for, they want you to already have like a year or two in experience. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, because either, either they want you to have, they want you to have about two to three certs plus they want you to have the experience. So, yeah. Um, as far as I'm concerned from the recruiters that I know, um, job listings are more of like, a wish list as opposed to you know mandatory prerequisites for for you to have um, and if you can find a way to present your resume and present your cover letter to kind of match the the job listing you can actually get past a lot of automated screening systems that people have um, so if you can oh. find a way to to cater your past experience in a way that would that would seem a lot more attractive or would make you seem like you're a better fit for that role you have a higher chance of being converted on and getting reviewed by an actual human being um, and there's a whole lot of filtering that happens at the keyword level, which is honestly really tragic. But if you think about it, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are spamming, um, applications at pretty much every, uh, every forum like Glassdoor, LinkedIn, um, mm-hmm. like they, they've got to find a way to make the workload on the recruiters easy at the expense of a lot of honest people that are, you know, just getting filtered out by code. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. So. I didn't, I didn't get in with three years of experience. I really just positioned my, my general manager, my general management and leadership experience um, as well as I possibly could. And I also talked about the initiative that I took in my six month contract role with my bank um, and how I was coming up with, uh, with reporting for the chief security officer and the, and the chief information officer. Um, so that, that helped me stand out. And I remember asking my boss, um, I think a couple of months after I got hired in because on my last interview, he, he, he asked me like, Hey, do you have any questions for us? And I said, I have a couple of questions, but I want to close with this, that I know I'm not going to be anywhere near your most qualified applicant, but I absolutely will give you 110% every day. Um, and that was the difference later on once I asked my manager, like, why did you pick me? And he said, honestly, we were on the fence about you and we had a couple <laughs> better applicants. And I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> and he goes, but it's what you said at the end that made us want to pick you. Awesome. Well, Chris, this has been amazing. I, I've learned a ton. I don't know about you, Larry, but I, I, I know I'm very confident that a lot of people listening you know, to this, Chris, uh, this could be that, that one defining moment where you've given them just so much information for them to kind of consider. And, and uh, just your example, right? Your life of what you've accomplished is, is really inspiring. So definitely want to thank you for coming on. And uh, you know, it's a pleasure uh, chatting with you today. Hey, Joe, I've had a blast being here. Thank you, Larry. I really enjoy uh, talking to you.